Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by the iconography of Father Thomas J. Loya. Father Loya's iconography for your prayer and home devotion may be obtained by going to MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com That's MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com Then click on the Art and Decorative link and click on Icons in the drop-down box or call 630-629-1720 Morningstar Books and Gifts 28 West St. Charles Street, Lombard, Illinois Glory to Jesus Christ. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Welcome to Light of the East. As a person involved in media and in radio, and also as a person who was blessed to grow up during the 1950s and 60s, that's uh, when I spent my early childhood. I was born in 1954. I was blessed to grow up at a time when I was able to watch on television Bishop Fulton J. Sheen. Those are the days, of course, of black and white television. And Bishop Fulton J. Sheen had a television show that actually earned higher ratings than the shows that were also on television during prime time. In other words, he actually was the most popular TV show at one time. All of America watched him, no matter what you were, if you were Catholic, non-Catholic, whatever, because he was so captivating and relevant in his message and his delivery. And I'm proud to announce then, in that regard, that my own eparchy, the eparchy of Parma, under Bishop John Kudrick, my bishop, is going to have what's called a voice crying out on the airwaves, a prophet for our time. This is going to be an exhibit that's going to run at the Cathedral Center in Parma, Ohio, that will run from Monday, March 1st through Friday, March 5th, 2010. The exhibit will be, as I mentioned, at our Chancery Center, which is located in Parma, Ohio, which is a suburb of Cleveland. For information, you can go to parma.org. That's parma.org. There's going to be a multimedia presentation. Uh, actually, I'll be there at the official grand opening on Wednesday, February 3rd in the evening. And we're going to have artifacts and other guests, and even samples of Byzantine Catholic vestments that Bishop Sheen wore. He actually celebrated a number of times in the Byzantine Rite, the Byzantine Church. He was well-versed in the Fathers and in his knowledge of the Eastern Churches, so he's very dear to my heart for a lot of reasons. First of all, because I grew up watching him, family to gather around, the black and white TV. You know, back in the days when you didn't have remotes, you know, remote was my father telling me, go change the channel, you know. <laughs> And also, there are days when families basically had three choices of TV, of their black and white TVs, and they would choose a program from among those three choices. You didn't have cable and satellite back then. And the top choice on Sunday evenings in America was Bishop Fulton J. Sheen. So consider that. You're invited out to tour the campus there of our chancery and to see this exhibit. And again, that's going to be Monday, February 1st through Friday, March 5th of this year. And again, information can be obtained by going to parma.org, or you can call the Chancery at 216-741-8773. 
extension 249. That's 216-741-8773. And speaking of bishops, we have continued statements from the United States Council of Catholic Bishops here in America, especially as they kind of watchdog this whole healthcare reform legislation that's going through Congress. And they are requesting our help, and I am too, of course, while you're listening. We need to keep pressing our government because they're going to vote on these things, uh, these healthcare reform bills, and they're not quite up to snuff, at least as far as what we as Catholics would like to see. And when I say we as Catholics, I mean we as honest human beings, what is right and just, what is, is holy, and what works for the good of society. And some of these things are not contained in the bills that are proposed. So what the bishops are asking to do is to send messages to the House and to the Senate. Here's a message sent to the Senate. That's probably the most important one. You can go to senate.gov to find out who your senator is and to get in touch with him and send a pre-written instant email to Congress. You can also go to usccb.org action. That's usccb.org action. Or again, go to senate.gov. But here's the message. I am deeply disappointed the Senate health care bill fails to maintain the long-standing policy against federal funding of abortion and does not include adequate protection for conscience. I urge you to support essential provisions against abortion funding, similar to those in the House bill. Include full conscience protection and assure that health care is accessible and affordable for all. Until and unless these criteria are met, I urge you to oppose the final bill. So the House is going to be continuing to vote on this and debating this, especially this month of January. So we want to get our thoughts and sentiments sent in to them. So again, go to senate.gov or go to usccb.org action. And continuing to speak about bishops, I guess this January is a month for bishops, I guess. <laughs> we have a celebration of bishops in the Byzantine Catholic Church on January 30th. It's coming up this week, especially if you are on the Gregorian calendar, that would be coming up. And this celebration of these bishops is what's called the Feast of the Three Holy Hierarchs. Again, this is in the Byzantine liturgical calendar on the Gregorian calendar. And the Three Holy Hierarchs is a feast day that lasts one day. It's on January 30th. And I'm going to read to you from the book called the Synaxaria, and this is kind of a tradition to read out of this book in the Byzantine church. It's usually read prior to or during the matin service, the morning prayer service, but it can be done anytime. I usually read it prior to the divine liturgy, especially on weekdays, so we know about the feast or the saint of that particular day or that liturgy. The Synaxarian gives a background to the feast, and here's what it says. The three holy hierarchs, St. Basil the Great, Gregory the Theologian, and John Chrysostom, each has his personal feast day in the month of January. Basil on the 1st, Gregory on the 25th, and Chrysostom on the 27th. The common feast to celebrate on January 30th was instituted in the 11th century in the time of the Emperor Alexius Colninus. At one time, there was a quarrel among the people about who was the greatest of the three. I have to pause here and make an editorial comment. I think that is just so Byzantine. That is so Eastern. You know, what do we fight about today? You know, politics, sports, money, and so on. But back then, they get into bar fights and street fights over who was the greatest saint. Can you imagine that today? Anyway, I'll continue. Some gave Basil the preeminence for his purity and courage. Others, Gregory, for the unfathomable depth and height of his theological minds. Others, still Chrysostom, for the wonderful beauty of his speech and the clarity of his presentation of the faith. So the first were called Basilians, the second Gregorians, and the third Joanites. But by the providence of God, this dispute were resolved to the benefit of the church and the yet greater glory of the three saints. The bishop of Yucatai, John, had a vision in his sleep in which each of the saints appeared to him in glory and indescribable beauty, and then all three together. 
Then they said to him, We are one in God, as you see, and there is no dispute among us. Neither is there among us a first or a second. The saints also advised Bishop John to compile a common feast for them and set aside for them a day of common commemoration. This quarrel was settled, as indicated by the wonderful vision on January 30th, being set aside for the common commemoration of the three hierarchs. The Greeks regard this feast not only as a church festival, but as their greatest national and scholastic holy day. Boy, wouldn't that be something? You know how we have President's Day here in Lincoln and Washington? Wouldn't that be great if we have, we have an observance of Martin Luther King? Wouldn't that be great if we had an observance of three great fathers of the church? That would be, I think, marvelous. So I'm glad the Greeks do. And as the Synaxarian said, this special person, John, had this vision instructing him to put this feast together and also instructing him on how to devise and design some prayers for this feast. So here is one of the prayers that we sing and chant on this day of the three holy hierarchs. Let us proclaim our songs with trumpets so that they who are celebrating may dance, and let us rejoice and leap for joy in the, on the precious feast of our teachers. Let kings and princes gather together and acclaim the holy bishops in song, who, like three great rapid rivers, overflow the teachings of the Holy Spirit. Shepherds and teachers are they, the triune priestly mystics of the most precious trinity. Having come together, let us praise the wise philosophers and shepherds of priests, the guides of sinners and helpers of the poor, the consolers of those in sadness and companions of travelers, pilots of those at sea, and fervently guide all people everywhere. Let us praise the blessed bishops, saying, O most holy teachers, hasten to help the faithful escape the snares of life and deliver them from eternal pain by your prayers. The liturgy in the Byzantine church, the most common liturgy used, what the Latin rite might know as the Mass, is named after St. John Chrysostom, one of these three great hierarchs. The reason it's named after him is because he had a lot to do with its form and also especially its what would be known in the West as a Eucharistic prayer. In the East, it's called the Anaphora, and that's the high priestly prayer that enters us into the consecration, the highest, holiest moments based around the Eucharist in the liturgy or the Mass. We also have a liturgy named after St. Basil the Great for the same reason. He, too, had influence on the formation of the liturgies as we know it today, and especially in the formation of the great high Eucharistic prayer, or anaphora, as we call it. The word anaphora is a Greek word, which we use in the Byzantine church. It means an offering. And again, it's the counterpart to the Eucharistic prayer in the Latin rite. St. Gregory was a great mind, great theologian, but he did not have a liturgy named after him, but Basil and Gregory did. The liturgy of St. Basil is used several times during the year in the Byzantine church, mostly on the highest feast days, such as on Holy and Great Saturday, you know, before Easter, and also on Christmas Eve, and also, of course, on the Feast of St. Basil. The liturgy of St. John Chrysostom, as I mentioned, is the most common liturgy of the Byzantine Church. So there are many jurisdictions that actually use what we call the Liturgy of St. John Chrysostom, thus making them part of the umbrella term of the Byzantine Church. When you say you're part of the Byzantine Church, that basically means you use primarily the liturgies of St. John Chrysostom and St. Basil the Great, as well as other chants and prayers and hymns designed and written, composed by many of the great Byzantine saints, such as St. John Damascene. Well, today seems to be Hierarch Day, Holy Hierarch Bishop's Day on Light of the East. I'm going to talk more about other bishops when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. 
That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. In the 1950s and 60s, families gathered around their televisions when this theme came on to herald the start of one of the most watched programs of the era. Life is Worth Living with Bishop Fulton J. Sheen. Now it's difficult to believe that they were Irish angels and not in a fight, but that is the fact. Truly the first tele-evangelist, Bishop Sheen taught the gospel with wit, grace, and intellect, and an uncanny sense of how to transcend the medium and touch the viewer. To celebrate the life and legacy of Archbishop Sheen through his service in the Roman and Byzantine Catholic churches, see the multimedia exhibit. Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, a voice crying out on the airwaves, Monday, February 1st through Friday, March 5th, at the Bishop Emil J. Mahalik Byzantine Catholic Cultural Center, 1900 Carlton Road, Parma, Ohio. For complete information, go to parma.org. That's parma.org. God love you. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. You've heard and seen the news. It's just stunning to get in a helicopter and fly over Port-au-Prince. Everywhere you look, such destruction, such devastation. As the world watches the events in Haiti, you may ask, what can I do to help? As Catholics, the first thing to do is to pray for the victims. The second thing that you can do is to go to Catholic Relief Services at crs.org. That's crs.org and make a donation. Or call Catholic Relief Services at 800-736-3467. That's 800-736-3467. Please help now. 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 You're listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you... And now, back to Light of the East. Welcome back to Light of the East. I opened the program by telling you about a wonderful exhibit at the Chancery Office of my particular eparchy, the Eparchy of Parma, which is in Cleveland, Ohio, specifically the suburb known as Parma, Ohio. And it's an exhibit on Bishop Fulton J. Sheen, and I'm proud to tell you why we're having it there. As a person involved in media, I'm very proud to say that my own bishop, Bishop John Kudrick, is becoming more involved in media, and he is part of the Bishop Sheen Canonization Committee. And of course, one of the things that works towards the canonization of this great Bishop Sheen is his contribution, his amazing contribution to media. So that's one of the reasons why my bishop is hosting the canonization committee and hosting this exhibit. And again, it runs from February 1st 
through Friday, March 5th of 2010. Information is at parma.org or call 216-741-8773, extension 249. Well, let's move on to yet another bishop, and this is the Bishop of Rome, also known as the Pope. The East refers to him as the Bishop of Rome. That's how he was referred to, especially in the first thousand years of the church. And by many Orthodox Christians, he's still referred to that way. And also, along with him, an Orthodox Archbishop named Hilarion Alfeyev, who is 43 years old, a scholar, theologian, expert on the liturgy, composer, and lover of music. Well, he met recently with the Bishop of Rome, in other words, Pope Benedict XVI, who also is a scholar, theologian, expert in liturgy, and lover of music. And they, they met for almost two hours. Now, this was in September of 2009, and I have some information on that, which you can also find. I found it on zenit.org. That's zenit.org. And this article is by Robert Moynihan, and it's dated December 21st out of Washington, D.C., December 21st, 2009. Even though it's a few months old, it's a very timely and relevant and worthy subject. And I don't think we treated it on our program yet. I don't want to miss this subject. Because this meeting was very, very significant. Because it was a meeting between the Russian Orthodox Archbishop, who was basically representing the new patriarch of the Russian Orthodox Church. That patriarch's name is Kirill. But Kirill and the Pope have not been able to meet yet. That, of course, is a a matter of a whole lot of centuries of hurt and estrangement and politics and protocol and so on. But we're working that way. And this was a significant meeting. And one of the reasons why it was significant, because the Pope and this Russian Orthodox Patriarch met for a long time. John Paul II had made many overtures to the Russian Orthodox Church, but it just didn't seem to, to catch during his time. But in Benedict XVI's time, it seems to be making uh, some progress. One of the things that Mr. Moynihan writes in his article, his coverage here on zenit.org, is that he mentions Cardinal Casper. He said, Cardinal Casper revealed something astonishing, that he had suggested to the Archbishop that the Orthodox churches form some kind of bishops' conference at the European level. They would constitute a direct partner of cooperation in future meetings. This would be a revolutionary step in the organization of the Orthodox churches. And also, there was a great deal of positive, sort of hopeful comments that came out of this meeting. Now, no one really knows what exactly they talked about. We have some idea. They certainly talked about certain global issues. Like, for instance, the Archbishop, oh, by the way, his name, again, his name is Hilarion Alfeyev, the Archbishop from the Russian Orthodox Church, said, we live in a de-Christianized world in a time that some define mistakenly as post-Christian. Archbishop Hilarion said, contemporary society with its practical materialism and moral relativism is a challenge to us all. The future of humanity depends on our response more than ever before. We Christians must stand together. Now, this is very significant because it's certainly one of the concerns and messages that we often hear from Pope Benedict XVI. Benedict XVI, of course, is the leader of the Western lung of the church or of the Catholic church. The fact that two leaders from these Eastern, Western lungs of the church are talking about a common, in a sense, enemy or common challenge is significant because it helps to draw us more towards unity. But there's one issue I need to take up here that was mentioned by Archbishop Hilarion, and he said this. During a talk with Pope Benedict XVI, Archbishop Hilarion pointed out the status of Orthodox believers in Western Ukraine, where three Orthodox dioceses had been almost eliminated as a result of coercive actions of Greek Catholics in the late 1980s and early 1990s. 
Archbishop Hilarion stated the need to take practical steps to improve the situation in western Ukraine within the territories of Lviv, Ternopol, and Ivano-Frankivsk diocese, the report said. Now, I have to comment on this and give some background on it, and certainly you can get a lot of background by reading the book we've been touting on this program called Finding a Hidden Church by Father Christopher Zuger, Finding a Hidden Church, which gives the history of the Eastern Catholic churches in Central Europe, especially under communism and actually post-communism after the Iron Curtain fell and what became of our churches. Well, what happened was this, and in a sense, I have to correct the perception of Archbishop Hilarion with all due respect. It's a matter of factual history. Here's the basic history in in a nutshell. There were two lines of the church, as John Paul II often said, east and west, but yet one church united, different but united. Well, in 1054 AD, there was what we call the Great Schism. The two of them finally split apart, excommunicated each other. The Eastern Lung called itself from 1054 to today the Eastern Orthodox Churches. The Western Lung called itself the Roman Catholic Church because it had its center in Rome with the Pope. The East had four centers, not just one. Well, fast forward 500 years. Parts of, now emphasis on part, parts of those Orthodox Churches, especially in Central Europe and, and part of the Middle East, Romania, Hungary, part of those Orthodox churches reunited with the Pope of Rome and Rome with them, just as it was before the schism. And this began to happen in the 15th and 16th centuries. Well, we fast forward again to the time of communism of last century. Communism finally fell in 1990. And when it did, there were Byzantine Catholic churches, Eastern Catholic churches, in other words, those churches that were formerly Orthodox during the schism and reunited with Rome the way it was before the schism, there were those churches that had actually been taken over, literally stolen by the Orthodox churches. And mostly this was through the infiltration of the communist dictatorial government. They literally just kicked the Greek Catholics, they they were called Greek Catholics or Eastern Catholics, kicked them out of their churches, many, many of the churches, and took them over and said, this is now an Orthodox church. Well, This started happening in the 1940s, and as time went on until the 1990s, when communism finally fell, a whole generation grew up in these churches, and of course these people, and their understanding of this was their church, this was their Orthodox church. The fact of the matter is, many of these churches were Eastern Catholic churches that were stolen by the Orthodox churches, taken over by them, and largely, again, under the, under the coercion and manipulation and infiltration of the communist government. I'm not making a comment on the Orthodox churches. I'm simply saying this is the way history occurred. Now, when in 1990, when communism fell, the Eastern Catholic bishops, some of them even from America, went over to Central Europe to help out in this regard. They requested and essentially demanded or expected back their churches. Well, this is a whole became a whole huge controversy. And so the Orthodox churches stood to, in a sense, lose many of what they thought were their churches. So that, I believe, is what this archbishop is referring to when he says that during the 1880s and 1890s, the Orthodox diocese had almost been eliminated as a result of coercive actions of Greek Catholics. You know what those coercive actions were? They were actions like on the part of the Ukrainian Byzantine Catholics who literally told the Orthodox priests and people, you have to leave this church now. We're not under communism anymore. This was our church. And they literally barricaded themselves in these churches. In a sense, yeah, they kind of, you could say by force, I'm not talking to say physical force, and a certain extent physical force. They literally took back their churches. 
Now, it is also the case that many of those churches were not returned to the Eastern Catholics, such as the churches from my church, which is the Ruthenian jurisdiction in Central Europe. In other words, the Carpatho-Rusin churches. In the eparchy of Uzhorod, which is now in Western Ukraine, there are over 200 churches of the Carpatho-Rusin Byzantine Catholics, of which I am a member, that have not been returned back to the Eastern Catholics as they once belonged prior to communism. So this is just a little correction on this perception of history, and it's important to understand history correctly, especially if we want to grow in our ecumenical efforts and become one again. We must be truthful, honest, but above all, charitable. And I thank you for the charity you have extended by listening to us here on Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road. Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610, Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. <laughs>